This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. A good Tuesday to you on this October 25th. Jesperson Hicks in the house. Looking forward to today's show. We're going to be uh, all eyes on Ontario and Saskatchewan today. Of course, we'll pay attention to what's going on in our neck of the woods in our home province of Alberta as well. Uh, in just a moment, uh, we've been looking forward to welcoming Stephen Punwasi to the program, a Toronto mayoral candidate, uh, but but much more than that. He's the co-founder of Better Dwelling. He took leave from that job to, to, to take on the establishment, essentially, and drive conversations about the cost of housing, about corruption in politics about money laundering and a whole bunch of other fascinating things he's not the mayor of toronto this morning uh, john tory defended that office uh, and some interesting developments in ontario's election last night we'll take a look at that patrick brown is back in as mayor of brampton the the controversy didn't seem to to, to hinder his chances we'll get steven's take on that former party leaders uh have, have sought and achieved office uh the ndp's andrew harwath in, in hamilton Stephen deluca and vaughn so we'll get into that with steven uh, uh, interesting conversation and then you might call him the voice of Saskatchewan uh no not John Gormley this era's voice of Saskatchewan quick dick mcdick uh, yeah I said quick dick mcdick is going to join us in about 20 minutes time 25 minutes time uh, into this show uh, the guy that's uh, built a, a massive following online uh, on Twitter on TikTok uh, of course his YouTube channel more than 100,000 subscribers uh, some of his stuff is is funny some of his stuff biting political commentary he lets you know exactly Exactly where he stands on political issues, and then sometimes he just teaches you how to smoke a meatloaf or how to how to you know his great bachelor cooking tips have, have earned him a huge audience. No, we're gonna have some fun with Kick, Quick Dick McDick, and then uh, today also it's Tuesday, which means we'll celebrate innovation. A young entrepreneur and inventor in this week's edition of the Leading Edge, presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. So that'll be a good one. Uh, John Hicks in the house. We're talking about Yay this morning. Uh, the the hip hop artist formerly known as uh, Kanye West finally dropped by Adidas and we say finally on purpose a lot of people were wondering how long it was going to take Kanye said he was going to get out of this deal uh, and he did and probably due in part to some curious huh is that the right word comments like this one the thing about it being Adidas is like I could literally say anti-semitic shit and they can't drop me I could say anti-semitic things and Adidas can't drop me now what? Yeah. And so people see that video a few days ago. Uh, I saw that courtesy of Rex Chapman's account, a great follow on Twitter. And the first question, the obvious one is, well, who wants to say anti-Semitic shit? Uh, but a lot of people were pointing out that Kanye said he was going to get out of this partnership and he did. So mission accomplished I guess. Yeah, he's he's accomplishing a lot of things these days. Jeez. <laughs> I think Kanye's always been like, he wants to go against the grain. He wants to be different. He wants to be seen as, you know, a, well, he wants to be seen as a genius, but he wants to do things different. And that combined with the fact that he is battling like mental illness, he's admitted it and he's not taking medication. He's doing things like he knows he shouldn't be doing, but at the other um, the other thing is it's kind of working like he's in the headlines every day everybody's talking about but him. now it's for things that are kind of fucking horrible yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like they're and i don't think he gets that because he's not he's not right so, yeah you know, i I, I went to the uh the it's account, pretty sad 
It is actually sad. And, and the account that and, and, and not to mention uh, for like the millions of, of Jewish people around the world that are paying attention to this, let alone people that have appreciated his artwork. Like, what's the deal, man? What are you doing? Yeah. And you know? worse than that, he's being used now by people who love what he's saying. Of course. You know what right? I mean? So it's been, you know, his, his comments had been sort of co-opted or amplified by neo-Nazi groups yeah. around the world. This on the heels of him wearing the White Lives Matter t-shirt. And Tucker Carlson. Stirring it's, things up, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, so the account that I use to figure out what's going on in the world, the Liza Minnelli Outlives account, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, and I credit them, and again, we've, we've mentioned this account several times because in all seriousness, I get half of my news from Liza Outlives, the Twitter account, announced this morning that Liza Minnelli has outlived Kanye West's ties with Adidas. The company let him go after West's repeated anti-Semitic comments picked up by neo-Nazis across America. So so wherever he goes from here, who knows? A lot of people are talking about, you know, he's got yeah, he's got his own plan to release his own line of footwear. I mean, when you're a billionaire, do you need any like he knows that he he doesn't need anyone. He yeah. doesn't you know, he doesn't need Adidas. He, doesn't, he can fortify himself in a mansion and heat his house with money for the rest of his life you know what i mean <laughs> like that's the plan and that's that's the other sad thing he's got a he's probably got a not, lot of head nodders around him right a lot of people a lot of yes men a lot of people who are just letting him do what he wants and telling him it's okay because you know they're kanye west's crew they're, yeah you know what i mean he's he's a billionaire so yeah it's just a really bad situation it is a bad and it's situation. gonna get worse and we're gonna wake up one day and he's either gonna be dead or you know his entire empire in shambles because nobody put a stop to it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. You wonder who's that going to be? You know, who's giving him the advice? Does he want the advice? What's his? It's I all- think it would be his mom if she was still alive. But like ever Brilliant since she lady. passed away, he's kind of been on this downward spiral. But yeah. like, there's no way she would be telling him his actions today are like. Wasn't she like a Harvard prof or something like she that? Was she really was smart a really lady. smart lady. Yeah, yeah. there was. It kind of reminds me in a way, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it is this, and, and maybe it is, and who knows. But remember, like back in the day when Joaquin Phoenix appeared to be a bit off the rails, and then people put two and two together and figured that it was all part of a big documentary project. He was. He was. He was, was, he was spoofing public. us. Yeah, yeah, the general public. He was told being us he duped. was going to be a rapper and all this. <laughs> I remember that it was worked. amazing. It worked. Yeah, he is one of the greatest actors ever. But unfortunately, with Kanye, I don't think. I don't think that's you just you watch him in interviews and like he used to be so focused, like not only in his work, but in what he said. And now it's just it's like a starburst. He starts with one thing and you can see his mind like it just goes this way and that way. And that like I'm not a medical professional, but that's you can tell someone's dealing with something. Right. And they're not all there. So it's kind of. Yeah. It's it's Uh, really sad. Tracy says he's not going to hide away, though, because he needs attention. Right. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, we've got our live chat They're They're, of course, at it this morning as as they are. And we welcome everybody that joins us live. Uh, we do this at 830 Mountain Time, uh, 1030 Eastern. And a lot of people talking about Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's cabinet. And that's something that, you know, we've been paying some attention to. And obviously we'll be uh, keeping a close eye on and evaluating and commenting on and soliciting your comments on the the early days of, of Alberta's new government. I mean, it's the same party it's a new leader the danielle smith government she's got about eight months ish you know till the end of may to put her stamp on this and to keep that office uh, that she sought and won and uh we've been of course keeping an eye on on what some of the, the the guests on real talk have had to say including professor tim caulfield who joined us just the other day uh, the author of Relax, Damn It, the author, the best-selling author of Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything, the, the professor of health law and policy at the University of Alberta. And I saw this from him yesterday. You know, Professor Caulfield, you know, 
one of Canada's I introduced him the other day as one of Canada's most prominent myth busters, uh, so to speak. Um, he's big on data and evidence. <laughs> Fancy that. And uh, this is what he had to say on Twitter yesterday. He says, dear Premier, you know, dear Danielle Smith, uh, uh, following her comments on vaccines, we played this for you yesterday. In my conversation on Charles Adler, her comments to to Derek Fildebrandt interviewing her on his show uh, through the Western Standard. Remember, she was saying there was there was there was no open mindedness on behalf of Alberta Health Services and politicians, the decision makers through COVID. There was there was no curiosity with regards to therapies and alternative measures. And, you know, she's talking about ivermectin and everything else that she had promoted through that time. Uh, we were both radio hosts at Chorus. I, re- I remember the email we received. She got her wrist slapped big time. Uh, the, you should have seen that that group chat, Johnny. There was an email list that would go around to just the talk hosts, mm-hmm. just the hosts that had shows. And, and I remember that email uh, basically not naming names, but saying, like, we're not going to use our airwaves to promote unproven therapies through the course of a pandemic. Well, she doubled down on that to Fildebrand. And so yesterday, Caulfield tweets, hey, listen, you know, Premier, he says, dear Danielle Smith, vaccines saved millions. Millions of lives. He made that argument on Real Talk last week. It's not an argument. It's a fact. He goes on to say therapeutics were studied. You know, it was found that ivermectin is ineffective. And he says consensus, you know, body of evidence is how science works. Please, for Alberta, pleads Professor Caulfield, climb out of the rabbit hole. Don't inform policies with lies, myths, and misinformation. He uses the hashtag Danielle Smith Dark Age. (laughs) Maybe even more interesting than that, though, and this pointed out by journalist Carrie Tate, who does a great job. You should follow her for sure. Support her journalism. She says, did you like Verna Yu subtweeting Jason Kenney? Remember Verna Yu, the former CEO of Alberta Health Services? Uh, And ever since she got canned, uh, she's been keeping it classy, uh, but she's been tweeting things about leadership. She's been tweeting things about about crisis leadership. And, and of course, it's it's pretty obvious to everybody who follows her on Twitter who she's talking about. Well, Carrie Tate says, did you like Verna? You subtweeting Jason Kenny? Then you'll love Jason Kenny subtweeting Danielle Smith. You know, the subtweet, it's, it's, it's the tweet that doesn't name somebody specifically, but it's clearly talking about them or talking at them. Well, Jason Kenny, the former premier of Alberta, retweeting yesterday a note that vaccines and boosters save lives across all ages. You know, a 96% reduction of death for two boosters versus the unvaccinated. These numbers as of the end of May, that from Eric Topol. So Jason Kenny, like what, what fucking world are we living in when I'm like, I don't know, man. agreeing with Jason Kenny? This is, oh my god. We might see a different side of Kenny now that he's out of politics for now. Mm. You know, I mean, I think that that you, know, you remember his appearance at the uh, Alberta Municipalities Conference. This was a few weeks ago, and he basically did a stand-up comedy routine, and everybody on stage, I was going, well, who's this guy? This hilarious, likable guy. Who's this guy? It wasn't who he was when he was premier. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, maybe Who's we'll see a different. Maybe we'll see a different Jason Kenny. I don't know. We'll see. But it's Kenny. <laughs> it's Kenny reminding Danielle Smith that vaccines work. So, so those are a couple of stories that we're keeping an eye on. Stephen Punwasi, in just a second. These conversations happen because of sponsors like our friends at Kubi Energy, providing solar energy solutions to power your life. We're going to be giving you a reminder for several of our sponsors. You know, you're going to take a look. And exactly, you're going to take a look at, uh, you know, what's going on through the winter months, right? And in the winter months, in the winter months, you're going, well, they're not installing solar panels right now, you know, but 
There's a design process. There's permitting that has to happen. And that's why Kubi is eager to get you to reach out to them right now. Request your quote today at kubienergy.ca. So when the snow melts, and yes, I'm already putting my mind to that point. I'm already thinking of spring when the snow melts. You'll be able to get the guys at Kubi up on your roof, making sure that you get your solar system installed by the best in the business, the Tesla certified installers at Kubi Energy. Our friends at Friesen Brothers have a whole lot of stuff going on right now, and they want to remind you that the first of every month, it's 15% off all grocery purchases of $75 or more. That's a big deal for families keeping an eye on their budgets. We're about to talk cost of living with Stephen Punwasi. Who wouldn't want to save 15% off their groceries? 16 locations across the province with Friesen Brothers. Don't forget their Oktoberfest dinner coming up October 29th and 30th. That's all-you-can-eat German-inspired cuisine, including Alberta beef roulade, potato dumplings, sauerkraut, and more. You can find out all the details at Friesen.com. Coming up as well, we want to remind you at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge, Alberta's best prices and best selection on the Ram 1500 pickups that everybody loves driving, myself included. What about Alberta's best selection with North America's best-selling SUV, the Jeep Grand Cherokee? You can browse their selection online, the pre-owned and new features, plus, of course, get in touch with their service and parts department. Our family's been doing business with Sherwood Dodge for way longer than we've been doing Real Talk, and that means something to us. We're partners with them for a reason. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. Well, big election results last night in the province of Ontario. John Tory's back as the mayor of Toronto. Patrick Brown back in uh, Brampton. Uh, Bonnie Crombie uh, in Mississauga re-elected as well, plus a couple of former provincial party leaders. Uh, we'll get all into it right now with a candidate for mayor of Toronto. He's the co-founder of Better Dwelling. He took leave from his role as chief data scientist there at Stephen Penwasi, making his Real Talk debut. It's wonderful to have you here on the show. Thanks for making time for us. Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me. I, I know you've extended invitations a number of times, and uh, I have a little extra time right now. <laughs> well, it, it, it worked out, and it's great to have you here. You're uh, obviously running a campaign is a big deal, and I would imagine that you're, you're exhausted burning the candle at both ends. You had a great team behind you. How are you processing everything now the morning after the results? Ooh. You know, we're we're kind of breaking down what happened and what worked and what didn't, uh, and what our successes are. When we started, we defined we knew it was a long shot. We only gave ourselves a, almost two months. Uh, most people started earlier in the year, but the planning for actually running starts almost a year before. Uh, we originally decided that when we ran, we just wanted to advance the discussion on what a municipality can do and sort of rethink what's happening because what we're seeing is more young adults just aren't showing up to the polls. They aren't thinking, increasingly people think that government cannot influence uh, their situation and their circumstances. And heading into a recession uh, in, in the June Ontario election is what really sort of had me concerned here, where just no one showed up. It was one of the worst turnouts ever. And they just, I don't know, we, we just needed new ideas. And I wanted to push that forward. And we defined our goal as getting people who either normally don't vote or normally aren't politically engaged, engaged as well as 
uh, advancing the discussion of municipalities working together. And we actually kind of nailed that with um, other cities adopting our plan. Um, some cities, some governments, like federal governments in Asia, have actually reached out to discuss this sort of interoperability of cities. And that was kind of cool. Yeah, no kidding. I, do, you, do you have a hard time wrapping your mind around uh, voter turnout, in particular lo- younger demographics? At a time like this, you know, when, when housing seems less attainable, affordable housing or, or you know, first-time home buyers, whatever, I mean, you know, for a number of reasons, super hot housing markets, I suspect you and I might talk about that, uh, rising interest rates, uh, you know, you know, people finding that, uh, you know, especially younger people living in a city center is, is tougher financially or, 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 quite frankly, unattainable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these things happening, and yet still... Uh, young people aren't turning out to the polls. What do you think that is? Is it is it, is it like a? It, it it can't be apathy because I see people troubled about the scenario. So they clearly care. Do they just not think that politics is the right mechanism? Or what, what do you think about it? I think that they think it's a long shot. And a part of this is the way we present information to young adults. Uh, go back to early polls and sort of the way that it's steered. Uh, And this is something that I really didn't realize until I started actually entering politics is the initial polls are typically done by phone, uh, landline polls. And that really steers our conversation. But when you look at the breakdown of these polls, they end up being the majority of respondents are above the age of 65 because uh, uh, do you have a landline? Uh, No. Uh, I don't either. So in a lot of cases, we would never be polled for those kinds When's of things. The, when is the last time you had a landline, by the way? Do you remember the last year you would have had a landline? Uh, not since I lived in my parents' house. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So we have a whole generation of people who uh, have never been engaged in a lot of these polls. So within the city of Toronto, uh, you looked at the initial, like in August, what the initial issues were that um, the media said that voters were really concerned about. And they were things like my home price, um, my taxes, uh, the violence in the city. And you talk to young adults and that's not at all what they're discussing. What they're discussing is there's a lack of opportunity. There is sort of a predatory situation where it doesn't matter how much you make or how successful you are. Like I know it's getting a little wacky out in Alberta right now where prices are kind of really picking up, but Ish. <laughs> Ish. I mean, it, it, I, I was talking to a realtor buddy just yesterday and he, he said he had, you know, he, he was late to meet us last night for the hockey game because he finally had a showing. So, I mean, I, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, and I'm not saying that I wish for what you see in, in, you know, the greater Toronto area or greater Vancouver. But, you know, I mean, like the, the average house price in Alberta uh, and not to diminish barriers that people face in entering it, um, not to overlook or breeze past that. But we're still like half of where you're at. Yeah, and that's why Alberta as a whole has been so successful in attracting so many people from Toronto. And that's sort of the reason that they're moving to Alberta. And you speak to people and in Toronto and they're like, I will never move to Alberta, never, ever in my life. And then it just got to this point where it was like, okay, well, maybe Alberta isn't so bad. Maybe (laughs) like the housing's affordable. They have jobs. Uh, I don't have to become a real estate agent. They have teachers. They 
Can we do a uh, can we do a segment like a, a brief uh, little snippet here called "The Truth Hurts"? Can you can you pull no punches and and just say exactly why you think people in Toronto uh, would claim that they would never move to Alberta? <sighs> Am I giving you the political response? Am I giving you the no? Like the the, the the segment's called <laughs> "The Truth Hurts" with Stephen Punwasi on Real Talk. So, so what is the reason, or what are the reasons? So, it's seen as a less progressive city. So, or rather, a less progressive province. Um, and like you, I have this argument with people in Toronto all the time, where they're like, "I can't move to Calgary; it's racist. I can't move to Alberta; it's they're too right wing." And I constantly have to go, hey, you know, that perception is really just an amplification of what it's like to view Alberta from Toronto media, because Edmonton is quite possibly a more progressive city than Toronto. And Calgary elected, Calgary's, I believe, might be the only uh, major city in Canada that has elected a person, a racialized minority to be mayor. And those are very progressive values. And that's a reflection that they are more progressive. They are a very progressive. It's a very progressive region at scale. Hmm. And they're willing to adopt that. So the narrative is very different from it. But we do like to take uh, media really, really, really loves to take that tiny bit of like, of course, extremism and then amplify it. Yeah, and it, make it seem like it's a whole province of people like that. And yeah. anyone from Alberta will tell you that there are problems, but those problems are very few people. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, and and when you have political leaders like taking uh, positions, I think <laughs> that you know, like you know, we're seeing right now, um, it's kind of hard for for the uh, you know an entire province of like nearly five million people to combat what that can do to a reputation. Like it's it's interesting. We haven't really had this conversation on the show, but it's 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 implied. Uh, but I think it's important to state that Jason Kenny on his way out. I mean, he made a ton of fi- funding announcements, which people are going, "What are you doing?" You know, like sort of like legacy building kind of stuff. But at the same time, there was this Alberta is calling campaign that the that the provincial government poured tens of millions of dollars into uh, essentially lobbying lobbying Canadians in in BC and Ontario to consider moving here and um, in a lot of ways I think that that campaign was seen as successful some people obviously poked fun at it um, but but people were saying that that it was a you know that it was quite prominent in in Vancouver and Toronto and those areas. This campaign, Alberta's calling. There's opportunity. Alberta's calling, and then this new government comes in and just immediately starts going to like you know anti-vax and freedom and pardoning pastors that broke health laws during the pandemic. And it's just like you know I think if if we were to talk to like uh, you know presidents of chambers of commerce or something like that if we were to talk to to business leaders people in charge of attracting investment people like people in real estate people in development you know it's it's not an ideal circumstance right now for sure uh, i wanted to ask you another good point a buddy of mine was was working on a campaign in brampton uh and and he was quite disappointed that the election uh, fell during diwali and he was saying that he was uh, at a polling station um he said in a neighborhood that it had a pro- predominantly south asian uh population or strong demographic there he himself uh the same and 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 was just basically dismayed and uh and he said to me that this would be he said you would never run an election during christmas uh do you think that that had an impact on voter turnout at all is that something that was on you or your team's radar so we we saw the same thing in 2019 where uh it it was held on a major jewish holiday Mm -hmm. and 
it was very upsetting to the Jewish community because uh, you're right, we would never do that to something like Christmas. And Diwali is a very important holiday for uh, South Asians and not ha skipping it would be like skipping Thanksgiving uh, for a lot of people. And I, I think that in a region like Brampton, that definitely would have contributed. Uh, I know some people who it did contribute in the city of Toronto. By the time you're done work, you get home at 6 p.m. Uh, it's almost time to deal with Diwali. So either you were organized enough or you knew that advance polls were happening. Um, advance polls in Toronto were very odd because they happened before any debates. Uh, the incumbent mayor would not debate anyone until a large portion of people had already voted, which is interesting because you had to have made up your mind before you heard anyone's perspectives on these issues. Hmm. Uh, but going back to what you were saying about, <laughs> about Alberta's leadership, it's important to remember, especially if you're from not from Alberta, because this needs to be emphasized. Alberta didn't elect this person. A small portion of a party elected this leadership. So it won't really be a reflection of what Albertans think until we see it actually go to the polls. So I, d I don't think that this is a reflection of who Alberta is to it's, have this person in power. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Somebody came up to me just last night and said, boy, you've got material for at least a year. I said, well, this it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, both, you know, the NDP and the conservatives, and I should not overlook the Alberta party either, but I mean, they're in full blown campaign mode right now. So uh, uh, listen, before we let you go, Stephen, um, you know, I'd be curious to know if in your assessment, if it, if it was mission accomplished, you know, your, your, your mayoral campaign to get people talking about these things. I've got a, a real talker by the name of Cole, who when he heard that you were going to be joining us on the show, uh, he said, finally, he said, uh, he said, Stephen's stance on higher property tax versus income tax is the best. Please make sure you get him talking on that. Can we wrap with that? Can you take us into to what drives your position on this? Yeah. I, so both capitalism and socialism agrees that land is a natural monopoly, um, especially in terms of building a city. So when you build the city, you can just hoard all of the land and then it creates this multi-generational wealth uh, mechanism. And it's hard to break that. So higher property taxes are for the sake of efficiency. So you they typically increase property taxes uh, in, in very highly productive economies. So if you look at Texas, low income taxes and high property taxes. And the reason is they don't want you to speculate on real estate. They don't want you to buy up and hoard as much real estate. They want you to go out and earn some income uh, through productivity that contributes to the economy rather than just increasing your long-term wealth. And that is sort of how it was structured. Uh, even if you go back to like Adam Smith, the original free market person, he 100% was like, we need complete free markets. It'll self-organize. But we need high property taxes to ensure that people don't just start hoarding land in cities or hoarding the prime farmland, uh, which is now the prime economic land. Otherwise, it results in this non-productive and destructive situation. It is a losing campaign to tell homeowners that you are going to raise property taxes, though. It requires so much harmonization between a municipal and federal government that uh, it just it would 
it would be easier to just find new buy a new country and start <laughs> from that scratch. <laughs> yeah. Just would well, not Alberta's happen. considering making that move. So, you know, maybe maybe that could be something Alberta could consider when it separates from the rest of Canada. If Alberta's doing that, I think that that is a very attractive proposition for millennials who realize that they were locked out just because of this generational monopoly position. Yeah, there's um, there's one thing that a politician, I, I think, can never do in Alberta. Uh, and I'd love for one to prove me wrong, but that's talking about raising taxes. Like if you want to kill, if you want to kill your political career uh, in five quick seconds, uh, pitch a sales tax in Alberta and just watch it fizzle out and flush. That's kind of how it goes. But if you can get people thinking, I've oftentimes thought that you could sell and people are going to lose it when I say this out loud, but I've often thought you could sell a sales tax to the populace, uh, to, to the general population by, by moving to a, a capped or a flat income tax, um, you know, anti-poverty advocates hate the idea and I can certainly see why I think I can argue both sides of that but I think there's got to be like a almost like a quid pro quo you know what I mean if you want to raise taxes in Alberta I think you've got to give the people something back there could be that trade-off if, if if higher property taxes came with lower income taxes maybe but then like you said and I'm thinking this out loud as we're talking then you've got the feds and the province taking less you've got municipalities taking more there's no way that the feds or the province would ever agree to that I don't think yeah, and from the municipality's perspective, uh, we saw this a lot in the Toronto campaign. Um, th there's a three-quarter of a million dollar budget deficit, and the, how are they handling it? They went, we'll ask the Fed for the money. Yeah. So now everyone will complain when the Fed borrows more money and be like, their spending is out of control. And it's like, really? it's The municipalities aren't allowed to take out their own debt or issue their own bonds. So we have this situation where they kick it up, and it creates this problem for the higher-level governments. And we rarely see it go to the province. It always goes up to the Fed. Um, and that's a political tool by itself. So mm -hmm. when you get a party that is not aligned with the federal party uh, at a municipal level, they can push up these problems and ensure that those problems get driven to the higher levels of government. Stephen, I'm so glad. I know you and I could talk for 10 hours. Uh, you're a fascinating <laughs> follow on social Never media. Overtime, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, don't, don't ever apologize for that. Uh, like Johnny and I always say, we can do whatever we want here. You know, we're not constrained by the boundaries of terrestrial radio anymore. Uh, people can check out more, read a whole lot more about where you're coming from at betterdwelling.com. And of course, follow you on Twitter at Stephen Punwasi. It's so good to have you on the show, my man. Thanks for doing this. Congratulations on a successful campaign. Thanks for having me, and uh, I enjoyed it, and I'm sorry that I postponed showing up on your show for so long. <laughs> hey, my man, it always works out what it's supposed to. I love it. That's Stephen Punwasi. Uh, you can learn more about him, of course, by checking out the show notes here, unless you're listening live, because quite frankly, we haven't written them yet, but when we post the show on YouTube and the podcast goes out, you can oftentimes learn more about our guests and link to what they're doing. Uh, we always try to have that with as, as, as fulsome an amount of information as possible. From Ontario to Saskatchewan, in just a second, Quick Dick McDick is going to be making his Real Talk debut. But not before we remind you that you have just a few days left to get in on the Covenant Foundation Lottery. That's right, 30 years of dream cars. We keep talking about this two-plus million-dollar dream home, but what about the luxury rides or the big cash prizes you can win? Right? They give you the choice. Like, you do want to? Do you want to keep the the 2022 BMW X3, or do you want the cash? Do you want the 330i sedan, or, or do you want 60 grand cash? What about the Alfa Romeos? Beautiful whips. You can take the cars or 60k cash. Right? What about a Lexus? New Lexus, the car, or you got it. 36 grand cash. Plus, there's the 50-50, the trips. 
Turks and Caicos and Scotland and PEI and just amazing stuff, all in support of the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. Make sure you get your tickets before the deadline of November 3rd. Why wait till then? Visit covenantfoundationlottery.ca today. Would you keep the Alfa Romeo or would you take 60 grand cash? Man, I get rid of all those cars. Give me that money. Give me the money. I will drive a Prius. I will drive a tractor down the street. Yeah. That was a nice tee up for Quick Dick. (laughs) He drives tractors all over the place. But like, I've never gotten, like, they're amazing. I'd probably take one for, I'd put like 28 kilometers on one. You're so practical. You're so practical. I just, you know I'd crash it in like three days anyway. Well, no, you're just being smart with your money. Like people who do business with local environmental services in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, some people say it's only garbage, but not to them. They deserve you know, better communities do. That's locals' position on it. Communities deserve better service, better prices, more support for local causes. They've got a huge charitable mandate there. Of course, they do a ton of work in water hauling, fencing, vacuum trucks, landfill. You need a big bin. You're doing a roofing job before the snow flies. Maybe some late season landscaping. Get a quote today from localenvironmental.ta. Don't forget that trash talk every Friday presented by Local Environmental. And if you're a professional engineer in Canada that, quite frankly, is sick of where you're working, they don't appreciate you, they're working you to the bone, you got a long commute, you're out of town all the time. Right this minute, check out apexautomation.ca. They're hiring uh, Canada's smartest engineers. (laughs) They're bringing them in from around the world as well. Why? Because their business is growing year over year. You wouldn't believe it in many different industries. We're talking about pipelines, natural gas processing facilities, chemical manufacturing plants. What about potash mining in Saskatchewan? That's a booming industry. Apex Automation does it all, giving people back their time. If you're a PNG, your best career move might be today. Go to apexautomation.ca. Our next guest needs no introduction in the province of Saskatchewan. He's got literally uh, hundreds of thousands of followers. People there on TikTok, on Twitter. People are following him, of course, on his YouTube channel that sees an avalanche of activity every time he posts a new video. Quick Dick McDick doesn't need me to introduce him. Maybe he should do the honors for himself. In a world that thinks protesting is the newest fad... He'll be there, doing his best to make you laugh. But most of all, showing you everything you have to be proud of in this glorious place we all call home. From a driver's seat perspective in his 1994 Ford F-150 named Morty. All right, that's Quick Dick McDick who joins us now live from the farm. Look at you from your professional podcast studio. Oh, yeah, it's a highly professional. I've got a very uh, well-trained group of, of professional technical teams here that keep me looked after, yeah. Yeah, you do all your own stuff, right? Writing, editing, uh, shooting. I mean, you do it all. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a bit sometimes, uh, but yeah, it keeps uh, keeps me busy. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have a big camera crew that follows me around. It's usually just me putting a, 
iPhone in a very precarious place to catch some cool shots. So. <laughs> well, people that are people that are most people hear this on the podcast. You, you release your stuff. You do a great job visually, and so so what people wouldn't see obviously on the podcast is that your videos are snippets of different shots. So it'll be it'll be ten or fifteen seconds of you in the combine, ten or fifteen seconds of you in the big rig, ten or fifteen seconds of you leaning on your pickup truck kind of idea. <laughs> obviously, the stuff is is scripted ahead of time. There's a lot that goes into this. It reminds me of the Rick Mercer rant a little bit oh man I, I appreciate that that's uh i'm a huge fan of rick mercer so uh that's uh that's quite a compliment but yeah it's, it, there there's definitely a lot that goes into it it kind of started off uh like a little simpler but i mean the uh, the format started off as cutaway production uh because i kind of started it on snapchat and then uh i i just kind of i kept that format just because i, I just kind of liked the way that it was and uh I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun challenge for me to just see uh, if if you can get what you're talking about in in a real life background. Which I mean, ninety nine percent of the things that I talk about on my YouTube channel are stuff that that happens every day, you know, here in rural Saskatchewan. And so it's pretty easy for me to capture it in the background. And I just think it's a, a more of a viewer's experience if you kind of get to see happening in the background what the person talking about is talking about, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're one of the most watched content creators in Canada for sure. Um, I, I would say virtually every video that you post has over a hundred thousand views. You've got a huge reach and a big platform. Uh, are you, are you a little bit surprised by it all? <laughs> yeah, actually, I am. Uh, the, the the reason I, I named myself Quick Dick McDick off the start is because I didn't want anybody to find me on <laughs> social media. <laughs> so that backfired, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't really expect uh, any of this to happen. To be perfectly honest, it it just kind of it just kind of started, you know, being this this snowball. It started tumbling down a hill, and it's just kind of you know built itself up. I haven't really changed how I do content or or or, or what I've done. You know, I've I've made a few changes. It started trying to incorporate some drone shots and a couple other things just to make it funner for everybody to watch. But essentially it's just kind of the same thing as what it's always been as it started out as. And I, uh, I'd fully expected this to have petered out a couple of years ago, but here we are still going. So yeah. uh, as long as everyone's laughing and having fun right on, right? Well, I mean, I, I, I love your videos and, and, and uh, you know, I mean, whether or not people agree with your politics or your takes on things, I think it's completely <laughs> irrelevant. I love you wear your heart on your sleeve. You're, you're, you're not a big fan of Justin Trudeau. You're not a big fan of the liberal government. Uh, but I've also, seen you fact check a lot of uh, right-wing paranoia uh that's out there as well as a matter of fact johnny can we can we call up the fact check video this you know which one i'm talking about quick dick this was the anthrax <laughs> video that you posted a while ago yeah, Let, sure. let's, yeah. why don't we take yeah. a second we're not going to roll the whole yeah. video obviously because we, oh, we've, we've got you here but I, but I wanted to roll this one this is a fact check so to speak i think the entire video is about eight or nine minutes people can find it on your youtube channel obviously youtube.com slash quick dick mcdick but but here's a snippet of it there's this video going around right now that i have had shared to me i've been tagged in i basically had this thing shoved in my face over the last couple of days of some tiktok guy that has got a bunch of people convinced that the federal government is killing our cattle herd off using anthrax you've gotta be shitting me Okay, listen, you all know me. I'm about the most anti-Trudeau guy that you're going to find in the country of Canada. In my personal opinion, the only thing that this government has got right since they were elected in 2015 was finally deciding to replace our age-old decrepit fleet of F-18s. That's it. Everything else they've done, they have absolutely and completely bastardized. But... Just because you might be like me and despise Justin Trudeau and basically his entire cabinet, at some point in time, you have to be able to stop, 
take a breath, look at what slash who you are listening to and watching and think about it. Like, think about it. Right now, you are listening to a guy named Quick Dick McDick. Okay? <laughs> that is my favorite line out of the whole video. <laughs> right now, you're listening to a guy named Quick Dick McDick. We promoted this appearance today calling you the voice of Saskatchewan. Do you feel like you are? Uh, well, no, I, I, I don't. I, uh, it's, I guess you kind of get, you get numb to, to views and, and likes and stuff like that, because it just, it's, it's, to me, it's a screen and you're, you know, reading how many people comment on your stuff and everything. And I never really put it together on, uh, on how many people watch until actually I went to a Chris Stapleton concert uh, in Saskatoon, uh, just, just recently here. And I couldn't believe the amount of people that were coming up to me. One guy come up to me and just grabbed me. And he was a huge guy. And he lifted me off the ground. He's bear hugging me. He's like, I love you, man. And I was like, this many people watch my stuff. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I I always do my stuff as as I try to be a voice for my community. Uh, and, and that's just where I leave it at. In any production I do, I, I kind of make it so that I know that the people in my community will, will laugh and have a good time and feel okay about it. And and whoever outside of that enjoys it or likes it or, or doesn't enjoy it, but it might spark a bit of a conversation with somebody. Uh, I mean, great. That's that's why I do it, right? I've just got videos of yours uh, playing here. Uh, you know, right now you've got you know this video uh, spray. You say and you're talking to people about you know spraying and 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 different things on the farm. To be, I I, I hope that this fills your bucket to hear this. This is a true story. Um, I you know I like watch your stuff. I love your stuff. I think it's great. And uh, and I was watching well, thanks, you. Man. You had like a you had like a tutorial uh, or like silage one one you remember this video you did teaching people yeah, about man. silage oh, yeah. and, and like and what silage is and, and how it's essentially prepared and they make the big piles and then they get all the oxygen out yeah. they cover it up for the winter and use it to feed the cattle and everything so uh we're at our family farm my wife's parents uh just outside middle lake just uh, you know outside humboldt about a half hour outside and uh not, and we're far, from here, not yeah. far from you at all and uh, and we're driving home and and my little guy seven years old is is asking what those big white tarps are what are the big white piles in the fields and like the city slicker dad gets to talk. Well, it's actually silage, and this is how the and, and like man, mission accomplished, right? Mission accomplished, absolutely. And you know, like yeah, I, I do some some politically polarizing stuff sometimes. I do cooking shows sometimes. I do kids shows, but it's it's fun to do stuff like that. The silage one was like one of my top five favorite videos to do. And I was actually I had I had broken ribs when I was doing that video, so I couldn't really do much other than drive a swather. Yeah. So I was just kind of running around grabbing footage and doing some stuff and. Uh, it's just, uh, I think it's just fun. Like, say, so you start incorporating a drone and a few other things and some music and, and let people have fun watching what they're watching. And and I had so many people in the comments of that video just be like, I had no idea that's what those big plastic bags were that we drive by every day. I had no idea. And so, I mean, yeah, again, like I said, mission accomplished. If it's somebody that can be like, no, that's silage and this is how they do it and this is why they do it. And I try and uh, highlight the importance of of uh, the beef industry as well, you know, which uh, I'm obviously involved in, and uh, and how they work together with with modern agriculture. When I did the spray video, you know, there was a there's a lot of people that get going on uh, on GMOs and glyphosates and a lot of different things, and uh, you you can uh, you can go through a lot of different things of what we do in real life, but I just try and and give everyone the perspective of of a Saskatchewan agricultural technician because. 
uh, a lot of people get upset about things that we do in agriculture when they might in all reality not be getting the straight kids on what we do in agriculture. I love know? it. I mean, storytelling is obviously so important. I mean, you want to use beef as an example. You look you look back to the BSE crisis like it feels like an eternity ago. Uh, but one of the biggest issues there was that they didn't do a good job. Um, and the beef lobby doesn't love to hear this, uh, but they've improved since. I think they didn't do a good job telling their story. And, and beef obviously was inevitably going to take a hit there. Uh, but at the same time, it didn't have to be that bad. You look at a lot of the, the protests. I mean, we led with the, your, your video, your commentary on the on the vandalism of art. And, and I thought it was biting and relevant <laughs> and timely and, and entertaining. Um, but but the, the oil industry right now, oil and gas, traditionally, you, you look at the ads that they're putting out and the information they're putting out is that they're starting to understand or at least take it seriously, the importance of storytelling. And I think that the future of agriculture, like to state the obvious, is something that everybody needs to better understand and talk about. I mean, and we can come at it from a million different angles, like cost of living and cost of production. What, what about shortages mm-hmm. of the, you know within the supply chain, the cost of groceries? I mean, there's a million different things. I mean, more and more people go to a, a plant-based lifestyle. More and more people adopting different diets, expecting you know different things. That so-called hundred-mile diet. People want to see the face of the farmer, right? I mean, there's so many reasons why I think there's a real appetite for. For a producer like you to be taking people, city slickers in particular, behind the scenes. So so I guess if anyone were to ask me if there was a goal of, of what I was doing, that would be it. I worked I worked 19 years in the oil and gas industry. I was actually a resident of Alberta for 19 years oh, wow. uh, up in Grand Prairie. Uh, and I had no idea when I first went out, I, I left the, the, the ranch here in Saskatchewan as a young man went out. I had no idea. And I, I mean, we used oil and gas every day and I just had no idea where it came from or, or, or what the process was to get it to us. And my, my mind was blown basically for 19 straight years, not only with that, but I mean, you see how oil and gas works, uh, works collaboratively with the forestry industry up in northern regions and how you share roads and leases are logged and made into paper and a lot of different things and this is 19 years in that and i didn't even see half of of what it takes to to get us the products that we use and i'm very fortunate to have come from a a place in saskatchewan where i've experienced agriculture and i know what it takes to get food on our table and i think you could do that with basically every product that we have in real life even the computers that we're using to to zoom with right now or if you talk to communications people from say saskatchewan tell or different places it's the, the amount of effort that goes into a lot of different things that we do here to keep us you know sustained as, as canadians and to sustain life w- would blow your mind and we have a lot of people that that just want to jump on right away and be like we have to stop this we have to stop this we have to stop this oh okay i hear you i will always you know promote us doing better and polluting less but we have to realize at some point in time we have to draw a line where the lives that we live, that there's going to be a little bit of a, say, a carbon footprint to it or, or a very intensive process that gets it to us. And if we don't understand that process before we start saying we have to stop it, we should really understand what we're asking to be stopped. Right? Hmm. One of the reasons why I wanted to showcase that that anthrax video, and, and I want to ensure that people just go check it out. <laughs> you you got to just watch the whole thing because you, you go, I can't remember the word you use, but you're like, the last thing I want to do is amplify donkeys like this or something. And you, you, you show, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're because you know, you're making this guy famous when you when you use his video uh but but uh but but this guy's claiming essentially that the federal government was spreading anthrax on on saskatchewan farms uh there were some issues around trespassing the the, the saskatchewan government uh, jumped on um but uh the the bigger idea that the saskatchewan or the federal government was spreading anthrax on farms and and, you know it was justin trudeau and this that and the other and you basically are like you know let's turn down the temperature on this um we've had a lot of we've had a lot of conversation on this show about the polarized 
just nature of politics. And we talked to politicians about it. We talked to commentators about it. Uh, we even talked to a psychologist about it last week. Like, what do you do around the family holiday table when you've got, you know, yeah, people that are four times what, vaccinated? I could anti-vaxxers. Use a lay down with a psychologist every <laughs> yeah, now and then. It well, would help me out. <laughs> we all could. And, uh, and we do, a lot of us. And, uh, but, but I just, I'm, I'm curious for your take on, on a guy that's got a big platform, your, your conviction on, on political polarization and on, on turning down the temperature while at the same time not turning down uh, the engagement and, and the need to have uh, conversations and healthy debate. How do you approach that? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one, and I wouldn't say that I've quite got it figured out yet, Ryan. It's uh, it, it's it's a it's a tough plank to walk, if, if that's what you want to call it. Um, you know, I uh, you know I did a, a vaccine video quite a while ago, and I, you know a lot of people are just like, you just nuked your YouTube channel, no one will ever follow you again, kind of thing. Get a lot of that going on. Uh, and then there's been, uh, you know, with the whole, with the whole poly of leadership race. And then, uh, we have the SAS party here in Saskatchewan and whatnot. I, I get, I get a lot of people that follow me that, that just jump into this huge fiery pit of ravenous biting. As soon as I put out a tweet, criticizing some of the marketing campaigns st- strategies that poly was using, or maybe a tweet that the premier of Saskatchewan puts out that I just, I'm just like, okay, who wrote this tweet? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, I, I think the biggest divide that we have that's the problem is that when uh, when things like this happen, people just, just think that you are in your lane and you're staying in your lane and you will just blindly support what's happening no matter what. And uh, I, I try, I don't always succeed at it, but I'm trying as, as, a, as a content creator to, to just somewhere be down the path that I'd like to see things go and see both sides of it, where if you look at me, a lot of people hating on me for, quote, tweeting the premier, but then a lot of people uh, hating on me for trying to dispel this guy talking about anthrax and cattle. But like, I just, I'm, I'm no different than any Canadian. I want what's best for people. And if I see something goofy or it's hypocritical, uh, I'm going to call them out, whether it's on my side or on somebody else's side or wherever. Just uh, if I see it, it's coming at you, you know? Hmm. Yeah, well, you, you've certainly, like, you've got a real talent with regards to what you do and how you get your message out and how, how you cut the videos. And, and uh, you know, like, people have such short attention spans too, right? Like, holding someone's attention through through a video takes a real talent. What do you see as, as, as the future of your, you know, this empire? that you're building what do, what do you see yourself doing with this down the line you gonna ramp it up even more uh, uh i don't really know how i ramp it up more i uh i i, I spend a lot of time uh i spend a lot of time at this and I, I, I don't have a lot of time to spend at it because obviously uh like what you see me doing throughout the course of the day isn't just you know stage theater i mean we're we're in cattle and agriculture here and it's very busy i've started doing a lot of live shows since uh since restrictions kind of lifted here which has been uh has been totally different jumping in front of a crowd and doing like an hour and a half of stand-up comedy has turned into one of my favorite things to do uh because i like it when people look at it's it's fun you could do a youtube video and put your stuff up there and you have time to look at it maybe if you want to change one clip that you did or, or whatever you want to do you got time to do it right but i just like having to think on your feet in front of an audience and it's it's been really cool to be able to do that um and uh the, is that the new whole... for you i mean have you been have you been honing that craft of stand it's stand-ups like you just said <laughs> is totally different than doing edited it, videos it, it it totally is, but I like I uh, oh man spoiler this is a this is a real talk uh, exclusive here. Yeah. I was full on through my years in high school, like I was in drama in yeah. in high school, man. Uh, like I, I was always like one of the only guys of of a few of a handful of us that would be in drama. I'd always get like the, the leading role in it, and I, I'm I've always been comfortable being in front of a crowd, and uh, and it's it's fun, it's good. But like I'm. I'm kind of a people person. And if you can be a people person and you can be a goofy person, you can stand in front of people and have fun with them. You know what I mean? It's uh, and I've, 
I've got time in the tractor to rehearse my stuff and uh, and and work on it. Yeah, you got to work at it too. If you started at my first show versus where I am now, I mean, they're two different shows, but it's still super fun either way, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I love your merch too. Quickdickmcdick.ca. People can check it out. You don't have hoodies like a good Saskatchewan boy. You got bunny hugs. I've uh, got bunny hugs. Yeah, that's right. what, what? Actually, I'm not wearing it today, but I got my hat on. But Dude, that's been the. If you ever would have told me that I was going to know the difference between a 50 50 poly cotton and an 80 20 <laughs> cotton blend and all this different stuff, but it's. Uh that's been a neat thing, which has kind of been another one of my missions of doing this is is to try and uh, and get people interested in in where things are made and where you buy them from. Uh, I'm I'm a huge advocate of made in Canada, product yeah. of Canada, if you can, uh, to support our local Canadian economies and. Uh, it, the amount of work that it took to dig through and actually find people that make clothing still in Canada w- would actually w- would frighten a lot of people. We rely on a lot of uh, a lot of overseas people to uh, to make the things that we use in everyday life. Uh, but I found, you know, some guys in, in Burnaby and in Richmond and a few places out in Ontario, a few in Calgary. Uh, and yeah, we've got a Canadian made line of merch that comes through and I've got a lady here that ships it right out of Tufnel, Saskatchewan, which is like, how awesome is that? That's you know great. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so no, it's, we're, uh, the, it's, we're the it's exact been, same, really cool. man. We're the exact same. We wanted to like our, our mugs are, are done in Calgary. Our, our t-shirts, like a lot awesome. of our merch, our hats are done in BC. We were the exact same way. We wanted to support local wherever we could, but it's the hustle, right? It's, it's so like you and I have different backgrounds, obviously, but you know, you, you had your career in, in energy and oil and gas. I had a career in, you know, like mainstream or, you know, big uh, corporate broadcasting. And, and, and then now um, the thing that is so exciting is also the thing that is so terrifying. And that's that you're responsible responsible for everything uh but you also are doing it for yourself which is really really neat uh what's the is there like when we ask what's the coolest bit of feedback or or what was a moment of like a fan of what you do or one of your followers or something said to you is there is there something that jumps out at you did somebody yeah or you had a ton of it i would imagine there's lots i had i had one guy send me a uh he sent me a receiver hitch for morty that had a horseshoe welded on the back of it with QDM uh, welded wow. in the horseshoe. Like, uh, how cool is that? I've had a lot of stuff sent to me and, and lots of people reach out to me. But I, uh, I get sent uh, pictures lots from teachers that are showing like my Terry Fox run video or mm. my Ode to Oats video and stuff like that to their to their classrooms. And that's uh, that's why I really like doing my little quicks videos for for kids to learn and have fun. And uh, uh, to all the parents out there that are very concerned about a guy named Quick Dick McDick, you know, <laughs> being played in their class and everything. I, I do uh, an entire list of, of kids videos that are kids friendly. And I, I, I love kids. Uh, I love being around them. And it's super fun. And they're our future. They're the ones that are going to grow up and, and, and eventually take this country over from us someday. And uh, it's just important that uh, they see a well-rounded variety of things and, and being exposed to uh, to a farmer that's actually out, you know, planting crops and working with cattle and things like that. I think there are a lot of things that kids need to need to see and need to understand how these things work. It's very important. I think we're slowly getting very removed from our from our roots of, of where we came from and how we eat. Yeah. And how we heat our homes. And and I think and even yourself, Ryan, if you say you're you're from up in the Humboldt area there, you know, like a, like. Would you say that you've been removed from from your roots a little bit? Well, let me say so. My so my wife's family they're they're from there. Uh, that that's Kids where they're at. Enough. But but my family, like my grandpa, was was one of eleven kids, and, and he moved down to Calgary during the Second World War and and raised his family down there. The rest of them, um, a huge farming family, and they still farm. It's now like the sixth generation is is they're now raising the sixth awesome. generation on the dairy farms, um, and not far out of Edmonton, like fifteen minutes out of Edmonton, Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, Westlock. So so I did like I mean they would you know my 
cousins, some of them will watch or listen to this show, and I'm going to get texts from them right away if I try to pretend like I even would know how to start a tractor. <laughs> um, there's no way. Uh, but at the same time, we try to get our little guys out there and, and on the farm and, and getting their boots dirty a little bit as well so they understand not, awesome. not just about agriculture um, and not just about dairy or not just about whatever, uh, but also about the family history, the rich family history. There's a family cemetery. It's pretty fascinating stuff, right? And, and so it's, it's really important to us. My heart's full every time I'm out there. That's awesome. Yeah, family lineage is is very cool. And, uh, you know, that was, I put that at the end of my last video there where, I, like, we spent harvest uh, being very busy. And the first thing I wanted to do as soon as we got stopped, like, I, I just wanted to go and sit with my mom and dad and visit with them. You know, I, I moved home here a few years ago uh, to get back into agriculture. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I did it was because I just I was separated from my family and everybody that I loved all the time. Uh, and it's just like, you know, I, I, I need to change that because, you know, whether whether it's my parents that won't have me or me that won't have my parents, eventually that's how life works. Uh, you just need to do what you can to try and spend time with people that you love. And uh, and that's, you know, that's some of the things that I try and promote on my channel, along with all the other kooky things that mm. we talk about. You know, what, what I mean? do you see like a guy like you? Like, what do you are you what? In your 30s, what's your ish ballpark age? Oh man, I'm uh, actually I will be 40 this year. Oh wow, all right. So, so, but you know, relatively speaking, a young guy with with a lot of career ahead of you. Do you see you you come back home to to work in agriculture? It's a lot of people are wondering what the future of ag will look like. Uh, and there's a lot of contributing factors, but a lot of the big farms are being acquired. People are lamenting loss of topsail. It's it's maybe mm -hmm. uh, less financially realistic for for young people to farm just with the the cost of entry, etc. Is that yeah. on your radar? And and what do you see? around you it's uh it, it's definitely tough to get into to get into farming uh it's it's very expensive to get into farming <clears throat> and i think uh yeah we see a lot of the bigger operators uh I, I mean i won't name drop but there are some very big farming uh corporate companies here in saskatchewan uh but that being said when you get into my neck of the woods here there's a there's a lot of guys around here guys and girls that that farm around here that uh th that have been doing it for years and like you say that are that are working on centennial farms and it's been passed down from generation to generation and contrary to what a lot of narratives would have people believe, there are operators around here that that care deeply that new people get into agriculture and help give them starts. And it'll start off as, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get a guy working for them. And then, well, yeah, you can use a little bit of my equipment to uh, to help seed your place and we'll haul it and we'll store your grain here. And they help guys get going. So as much as we hear that commercial farming is stomping a lot of people out there, there are some great people out there still that are doing what they can to try and get new people into the game that that have a passion for it so uh i think uh, i i think as long as that keeps uh keeps advancing how it is it's it's still going to be a great future for agriculture anybody getting into agriculture right now is getting into agriculture at an amazing time there's so much technology that's coming at us from all different yeah. levels and you get your old guys that you know drove around on a john deere d and the size of their harrows was the half the size of a combine header nowadays kind of thing that are like ah we don't need any of that stuff but we got a cool generation of people coming up in agriculture right now that that look into technology and what's happening and i mean i i hope in the next five years we see drones out flying around spraying some crops and stuff mm -hmm. and, and and doing things better and the amount of people that continually try to do things better and better and better is just uh it, it's it's like spirit lifting to to see everybody striving to do better uh, I, i'm it, very proud to be it, a part of agriculture yeah it problem. blows my mind that the tech that that there is in farming um, I mean, I guess if your combines weren't driving themselves, you wouldn't be able to shoot your videos behind the wheel, right? So, 
well, and that's like, like, and to that point, you know, like a lot of there's a couple of, of retired guys that come out and, and help us drive combines every now and then, and everybody's like a, a lot of activists, like hey, your tractors will drive themselves in the next five years, and you're going to be out of work. I'm like, I can't wait for a tractor that drives itself so that I can go and get one of the other eight thousand things that I need to get done in a day done. You yeah. know what I mean? It's. Uh, it's 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 great yeah where technology is headed and, and the embracing of it is great and uh and it's always good to have uh it's always good to have some older neighbors kicking around that can keep you grounded a little bit too i'd i'd tell you a quick story about neighbor bob if we had time yeah we do we at. do so, yeah right. tell us about neighbor <laughs> so, bob okay so bob so bob is a guy that's a retired farmer right and i always say neighbor bob in my video neighbor bob's a real guy he's a straight up real guy yeah. and uh He's he's probably the most grounding guy that you'll ever get in your life. And na- neighbor Bob's job is when we got to move a combine from somewhere, say, or a tractor from somewhere a couple miles away to back to where we are. Neighbor Bob's job is to come and give you a ride. And if you don't phone him and ask him to come give you a ride, he'll be pissed at you. He'd be like, how did you move that tractor over there? No, I got to be a part of this. I got to help you move trucks. But I've come to find that the best time that I spend on the farm is riding around in the passenger seat with neighbor Bob because he farmed for over 60 years. And, uh, and he's seen a lot of bad stuff. And when it came, you know, to, to our last drought, we had a really bad drought here last year and it was kind of a bad harvest. And, and Bob was cruising around and, and taking me over to a combine that we we're going to move to another field. And we stopped in the middle of the road and he put the truck in park and he shut it off. And we looked out into a place that was typically, you know, full of water. And there were some old dead trees drowned out in the middle of this place. And there was nothing, just rocks, a dry lake bed and some old trees there. And he says, you see those old trees there? I said, yeah, pretty dry out there hey i was like yeah he says uh do you know why that tree is there i said because it grew there bob he said that's right because i remember a lot of years where this was dry and a tree could grow there because there was no water he says it's not going to be that way forever Mm. this spring we were driving out to get the drill from the same field to move it back and we had a, a exceptional amount of moisture here this spring and it was right up to the road the water was back up to the road and i knew what was coming he stopped he put the truck in park shut it off and he didn't say a word. He just looked out at the tree, pointed at it, looked at me, winked, started the truck. And- <laughs> but like, it's it's great to have guys like that just to keep you grounded and keep you in check with what's going on. Right. Because uh, it's 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 good for your mental health. hundred percent, man. It's awesome to catch up with you. Uh, I, we should let the audience know that uh, that we were going to get you on earlier. But uh, you had a little thing called harvest that you had to handle. <laughs> And uh, if we appreciate you finding time in your day to talk to us now, we, you know, we endeavor to connect with with storytellers across the country. And uh, undeniably, you've built a, a huge audience and uh, and for good reason. I know that what you have to say resonates with a lot of people. Uh, folks, you can find you at YouTube.com slash Quick Dick McDick. And of course, Quick Dick McDick dot CA if they want to pick up a bunny hug or whatever else. Uh, thanks for making yeah. time for us. We made it through this whole thing without asking you about your first name, you know, without your real your real name, so to speak. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it's, it a it's secret. Dick, believe it or not, I've been a dick all my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. There you go. Quick dick. Hey, thanks dick. a lot for having me hey, on. Thanks appreciate a lot, it. buddy. We appreciate it. There he is, uh, proudly flying the uh, the uh, Canada and Saskatchewan flags behind him that's a fun conversation i i see in the live chat that not everybody agrees with the guest which is also okay um i the way i see it is if if we're doing a talk show where everybody feels comfortable and agrees with all the guests all the time uh, then we're not doing our job you can always send us feedback to talk at ryanjesperson.com or hit us up on our hashtag real talk rj a lot of talk about innovation through that conversation and and it tees up nicely a feature that we present in partnership with leading edge physiotherapy every tuesday here on the show we call it 
the leading edge. And it's a celebration of those who are innovating or making an impact in the world around them. And today, we celebrate young inventor Lily Bourne. I love this story. When Lily was eight years old, uh, she couldn't ignore the fact that her grandfather, who had Parkinson's disease, was constantly spilling his drinks. And grandma was left to clean up the mess. And so Lily, at eight years of age, invented something new. This is absolutely amazing. We love this. The kangaroo cup. It won't tip. Her company is called Imagiru, and you can find them online at imagiru.com. And so she and her dad traveled across the world to the ceramics capital of China, Jingdezhen. And there they were able to refine their products, refine the design of it, find a manufacturer, and prepare for a production run. Well, how did they afford it? Well, crowdfunding, Kickstarter, and Indiegogo. She raised about 20 grand, which is what she needed to roll out her invention to the masses. And they've sold more than 2,000 cups to date. Now, they're about to release a BPA-free plastic kangaroo cup manufactured in the States. It's stackable. It's more durable than its predecessor. And today, eight years since she first invented this amazing product, now 16 years of age, Bourne has sold tens of thousands of kangaroo cups worldwide. She said, "Worldwide." She says, "We're working to develop a cup that substitutes sippy cups and helps with the children's palate. It's different. Kids' palates are different. Helping them develop the ability to swallow." She says, "We're working with pediatric orthodontists to develop that product for overcoming obstacles, for addressing an issue, for designing a product that has found use around the world with people of all ages." We are proud to feature Lily Bourne on The Leading Edge, presented by our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. I absolutely love that. She's eight years old at the time. She sees grandpa's spilling his cup and she does something about it. How cool is that? I feel like there's a lot of younger people doing a lot more than me. (laughs) <laughs> like we had we had the 16 year old last week right or, yeah or developing she... the foot controlled mouse for, yeah. for for making computer technology more accessible to to amputees yeah same sort of a deal i she... wonder if we're just like like you know young kids are just smarter or is it the internet is it because just information is at your fingertips they're just growing up like they're already smarter than we are. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, I mean, accessibility to information to learn seems... to tutorials people youtube everything. Yeah. I see you do it all the time. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm trying to catch up. Well, no, but, but you know, I, I hope I, I hope you give you enough credit on this show for what you do. But you are constantly problem solving, and how how valuable of a resource is well, YouTube? Well, I just love right? that if you don't know something now, you can know it in two seconds, right? It's, yeah, it's just, but it's incredible. Like the young people, the last two weeks we we've been talking about have like blown my mind with these inventions. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. I, I love it, and and I can think of a lot of things in life that I took a look at and realized were a problem and did nothing about. <laughs> I didn't crowdfund like, 20 I grand. I hope somebody fixes this I, for me <laughs> someday. I hope. I mean, not Kids? me. Not me. <laughs> but but hopefully a 10-year-old can solve this for us. How do I get a sandwich and a drink to my living room in three seconds without... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, to be the person that... And then you see these invent... Like, I, I think of something. This is, this is such a dumb comment I'm about to make because there's so much more that goes into it. But there have been huge inventions, like society-rocking inventions that are so obvious. Yeah. Like skip the dishes is so obvious. Yeah. Facebook is so obvious. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I have to talk about the first newspaper article that I ever wrote. My first job in media was for the Calgary Herald. It was a dream come true. My childhood in my hometown, the newspaper always had wanted to work at the Herald. And the very first story that they assigned me was this, this woman uh, in her 80s named Edna Quinney. And she had written this, this uh, like, can I use the word adorable, this, like, amazing, like, handwritten letter to the Calgary Herald. This was, you know, like, like very, this is 1999. Yeah. And uh, so, like, there was, you know, barely email at the time. There was, but not really. Mm-hmm. And so she wrote this handwritten letter, and she was looking for her classmates from her elementary school like 75 years prior. And so I did this really, in, this was not exactly the hard-hitting news, but it was nice to be off the, the car crash beat for a while. Did you private eye it and, and uh, find them? Well, no, okay. but we used we used the, 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 the platform of the print edition of the Calgary Herald, obviously, because that's how everyone was getting their paper, uh, to, to, to write about this, to tell this woman's story and say, you know, Edna, Edna Quinney is looking for her roots or searching for her roots. And we wrote this whole story about she's trying to find her classmates. She wants to connect with the people she used to connect with. And, da, 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 da. and being that it was my first story in print, my first byline, as they call it, it was special to me. And so I framed it. Right. And I was looking at this like 15 years later. And I'm like, this was the formula for Facebook. <laughs> we identified the formula for Facebook. 10 years ahead of time. It did nothing about it. But it's funny how something so grand to you back then is just like I could just post it on Facebook right now in and, two seconds or any for, social media platform. It would tell you. It would find your classmates for you. It's incredible 20-some-odd years later. The that, classmates like, you thought you had left behind <laughs> never to see again are all a of a sudden back in your face sharing it. <laughs> Oh, man. What's the invention that you missed out on? What's the idea you had that somebody else took a hold of and did something about? I'd love to hear those stories. I bet you we'll get an email from somebody that missed the billion-dollar boat, that really missed it. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. You know, when you're on our website, you can also find links to all of our sponsors, and that includes the team that has been powering our hashtag, uh, Real Talk RJ, since this show launched, and that's our great friends at Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider. Provider. We know that we're about to be paying more, right? For natural gas, winter is upon us. Your furnace probably, depending on where you live, but I bet you your furnace just fired up for the first time in a while, right? In the last few days. Same with the electricity. If you're running space heaters, whatever it is in the winter, we just tend to use more. Why not pay less? with Park Power. Compare rates today and when you take your business over to Park Power, make sure you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK. It's going to knock $70 off your first bill, right? That's like a dinner. Park Power is going to buy you dinner with that promo code. We also want to give a big shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. This is the time of year where Mike starts getting into the paperwork. He's filling out forms. He's making sure the real property reports are pulled and then their design team gets to work. They are a full service landscape builder with more than 20 years of on the ground experience in Edmonton and area you don't need to hire a landscape architect then hire a contractor then bring in trades and then somebody screws up and then you got to call somebody else to fix it no way no nightmares with Eden landscaping they guarantee it just look at the referrals they've earned look at the return business you can check out their portfolio beautiful work at landscapeedmonton.ca and our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you that uh, despite snow in the forecast everybody loves a blizzard right the fall blizzard menus out right now and we've been showing you the cinnamon roll centers blizzard treat we've been showing you the pumpkin pie blizzard treat but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the crisp caramel macaroni blizzard 
cherry chip blizzard, the frosted sugar cookie blizzard, which that's next on my list, Johnny. I'm going to be hitting that one up. And of course, the Oreo hot cocoa blizzard. Hot diggity damn. You'll find those at the Dairy Queens of Palisades, (laughs) Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and then Sherwood Park on Baseline Road. Blizzards all year round. Which one was it that particular? Which one spoke to you there, John? Which one was it? I mean, uh, my wife is all about the cinnamon bun. Every we, yes, cinnamon bun lattes. We had them on Sundays. Oh so, yeah. yeah, the cinnamon bun, the you cinnamon o- roll centers blizzard. You get over pumpkined this time of year, and you have to. It's s- possible. You have to switch lanes for a couple. It is days possible. And- <laughs> it is possible. I, I told you I picked up the pumpkin pie blizzard the other day. We got large one because I said to Wyatt, yeah. our seven year old, I said, "You and I can split this." Well, we were coming back from Thanksgiving. We'd had a couple of outings with the family. He says, "I think I've had a little too much pumpkin." I said, "Well, I'll just hammer this thing myself." <laughs> so I took down the large all to myself, and that was enough for the rest of the day. Hey, through the rest of this week, we're going to be focusing on the stories I know that matter to you, Real Talkers, and that's due in part because you let us know. We encourage you to reach out to the show. When we say it's your show, we mean it. We desire your feedback. We want your insights. We love that Stephen Punwasi interview. That was uh, Real Talkers like Cole that reached out and said, when are you going to get this guy on the show? His conversation about cost of housing and tax structures is what we need to hear more of. We want to force ourselves to think outside these parameters. It's our mission, and we'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope to see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.